find the words of my text in the Epistle General of James. Chapter 4, the verses 13 to 16, where we read God's word as follows. Go to now, ye that say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such a city, and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor, a vapor, that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, If the Lord will, we shall live, and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Thus far. Let us not forget the main theme of this epistle. All things in this epistle stem and flow from that main theme. And that main theme is James's warning against friendship with the world. Its origin is the seeking of the things of this earth, of the world. And that friendship, that friendship of the world, is enmity against God. You cannot have both. The moment you set your heart on this world, you become an enemy of God. And the principle that is the beginning of all that is the pride of life. And then you get trouble. When you live instead of the lonely Jesus from the pride of life, you're going to get trouble. You get trouble in the church as I had here, terrible trouble. There was respect of persons. Just of course as in the world. They brought a world that they sought back into the church, living from the principle of the pride of life. And then you're going to be a respecter of persons. You cater to the rich and the influential and the strong and the mighty and those that can speak. You cater to them and you despise the poor. You become cruel and hard as the world is hard. Poor man comes to the door. I'm cold. I'm hungry. Be ye warm. Be ye fed. But you don't give them anything. When you live from that principle, you become many masters. As they are here in the church. 
And the moment you have that, when you live out of the pride of life and want to be master, you're going to get quarrelings and fightings and wars. Want to push yourself in the foreground, bound together, as they had it here. And then everything goes wrong. They pray. Of course, the church prays. They pray too. But they didn't get anything. They didn't get anything. You ask and you receive now. Although the rule in the Bible is that there are no, no unanswered prayers. Ask and you receive. Seek and you're fine. Knock and it shall be open unto you. For, says Jesus, everyone that asks can receive it. There is no exception. Here they asked and they didn't get anything. Why? Because they asked the mess. What did they have in mind when they asked? Their pleasures. Their lusts. They became spiritual adulterers and adulteresses. They left their husband, the living God. The same here tonight. Again, living from the pride of life. Then you get this. Then you don't reckon with God's will. God's will means nothing to you. And don't say it doesn't happen here. It happens here too. Just watch your children, for instance. It has to be a Joseph. Otherwise, they don't live from that principle. They have to be taught. Otherwise, they live simply by their own will. Whatever, whatever seems good to them. Whatever they enjoy. That's what they want. They live from their senses. Their sensual life. Don't you know it? As parents, you can see it in the growing church. And you have to weed out the garden. So here, those that knew better, as you have the last verse, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is sin. That's the final conclusion of the whole business. These people, church members, very likely they were gathered together while the apostles were still living. They set themselves, poor, small, insignificant creatures, above the will of the living God. That was the trouble. In their seeking of the things of the world, over against that, the text. I'd like to speak to you on the meekness of wisdom. First we'll look at a small, insignificant creature. Then we're going to listen to his evil boastings. And then we will listen to James as he gives to the church in the word of God the wisdom of grace. Let's look at the small perishable men that they were and you and I are. The apostle says we are as a vapor. Sometimes in the Old Testament Septuagint, that's also Greek, and sometimes in the New Testament it is translated smoke. 
And in still another place it is translated bread. That's all. That's you. That's your life. Your whole life is a bread. That's the truth. Signifying nothing and less than nothing, a vanity. Certainly doesn't fit for the breath, that smoke, that vapor, to exalt itself over against the will of God. Least of all, relative to the things of this world and this temporal existence. If anything, we should know that. We may be stupid with regard to Christ and his kingdom, but with regards to the things of this world, and our temporal, temporal existence, we certainly ought to be not, not so foolish as this man here. Well, that's the way, that's sin. Our name is perishable and perishing. In the present participle, if you please. In the present participle. That's our life. You can see it plainly. We know nothing about our time. Many more things we know nothing about, but certainly about this. Our whole life is perishable as a vapor. It is seen. You drive in your car on 21 toward the lake, and you see those little wreaths. And you say to your wife, look, a little foggy. It appears for a moment, and the sun becomes strong. It's gone. That's the way we are. We are a, an appearing and a disappearing race. For a long while. I can't tell you what it did to me. All the time that I've been working on this, I saw myself. I saw myself appear. All the places where I appeared. Now go back there, where I crawled as a child in Sassenheim. In Oofsgees, Sassenheim again. Then I appeared for a little while in Berlin, twice in London, in Brussels, Belgium. From coast to coast here, a little while. Go back where I appeared a while. What a life. All my thoughts went back to those 67 years. And it quickly disappears. Very quickly, before flying away. Especially we. Think of the rock. You find mention of the rock of Gibraltar in literature before Christ came on earth. Still there. There are trees standing in California that were growing and were big already when Jesus was walking on the earth and they were planted 
They started hundreds of years before Christ was born. Even compared to those things, the rock of Gibraltar and those heavy trees there in California, where are you? Sure, you appeared a while, but you're like a reed. You're like a breath, like a puff of smoke. You blow your hand right through it. We are tender and weak. Those are the two adjectives that the Bible uses for us. Tender and weak. We are likened to the flower of the grass that appears in the morning and withereth at night. And you sang several songs. They all pointed the same thing. Soon, 70 or 80 years, and the 70 and 80 years, I found it out now. They honestly are like a dream. Now, wisdom. Oh, beloved, listen. Wisdom. Wisdom applied to this is that you know this and you want it. Like Moses. He wanted that. He was agreed with it. God, a thousand years like a day. And we, 70, and we are, if we are very strong, 80. And then it is like a dream. When you awaken. That's my life. You know your own. That first. In the second place, that person who is like a vapor, like smoke and a breath, knows nothing. Oh, that does not mean that we do not know certain things in general about the future. We do. The Lord has taught us that. Oh, yes, he has taken care of that. For instance, we know this, he has taught us, and we are sure of that, but we don't abide here. That the earth here is no abiding place. That's why the Lord says right away, when we start to build our homes, when you drive your stakes, remember, it's a tent. You only appear for a little while. We know more, more about the future. We know that this life, long or short, that little world that has vapor is seen for a little while, vapor as it is, is a preparation for eternity. That we know too, that has to do with the future. We know that for sure. What a man soweth, you're bound to reap. See how you saw and what you sow. Watch it, because you are sowing for eternity. If you sow the wind, you're going to reap the, the harvest of storm and whirlwinds in hell.
We know more about the future. We know this, that righteousness tends to life and life everlasting. We know that too. Just as sure as you sit there, righteousness exalteth a nation. Righteousness is the most important thing. Because of that thing that you know about the future, the Lord says, seek it with all your might. Seek righteousness, the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. Seek it. That must be your most important seeking. That's about the future. And we know at the same time that sin tends to destruction. The wages of sin is death. We know that too. Sin that stays with you and abides with you, chokes you unto an eternal choking of death. You have to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Get rid of all sin. Confess it. That has to do with the future. Nobody saw hell. Nobody saw a devil. Nobody saw an angel. You didn't. You didn't see heaven either. But you know it. It's all the future. And you know that. That's given. That we know. And things connected with it. However, about our life, our temporal life here on earth, we know nothing. Absolutely nothing. History is not in our hands. God is writing history. We don't know anything about it. All the things regarding our temporal life here on earth are all exactly in his hand. Every breath we take, every step you take, it's all in his hand. You know nothing. All those particulars, they're all hidden. Sickness, health, money, neighbors, enemies, friends, even our thinking and our willing. That's not yours. You don't know. Paul says it too. We don't know what to think of ourselves. You don't know what you're going to think in a half hour from now and what you will a half hour from now. And the Bible says that the very motive of your heart, your heart, and the answer of the tongue is of the Lord. Everything is of the Lord. There is one counsel and that counsel comes to pass whether you like it or not. You may be cursing while you, while you fulfill the counsel of God, but only the counsel of God stands and nothing else. You don't know a thing. And you must want that too. You want to leave God, God, and you, an insignificant creature. That is your place. There is a lot of wisdom in this text. And so it is with all the other things of our temporal life. For instance, what do you know about prosperity? What do you know about adversity? Nothing. You may guess. You don't know. What do you know about industry and agriculture? You know nothing. With respect to your present temporal life, you don't know. What do you know about war and peace? 
What do you know about the devils and the angels around about you? And they influence your lives. You don't know a thing about it. With regard to all those things, God rules absolutely. You know nothing. Tomorrow? I don't know. I, I came on this pulpit. Very well possible that some of you are going to carry me down. That I'll give up the ghost before I say Amen. Isn't that true? Do I know anything whether I'll come to Amen tonight? Some of you began, began to die here in church. And you were carried out. I see it yet. Some of us, in the bloom of hell, with a smile on the lips, gone. Who assures you that you are not next? What does the world, what does anybody know? 1914, the world all of a sudden, in a few days, stood in stood in a terrible conflagration of fire and war, the buzzing flames. Everybody, all of a sudden, right in the middle of his work. Mobilization! And I stood in Rotterdam, 1914, in August, the first day, and it looked as though everybody was crazy. Couldn't get a train to Sassenheim. All the trains were full of men, in khaki uniform, and the women, the children, crying as though their heart would break in Rotterdam, all to the borders, to the borders. What do you know about that? 1929, the crash. What a change. 1939, Hitler in Poland. 1941, Pearl Harbor. Who knows? Who is deciding? Always, with respect to those that live long and to those that live short. Every breath you take is only in the hand of God and never in you. How do you know that you have a next, next breath? You don't know. You know nothing about your whole life. What a wonderful knowledge to know that. How beautiful and how safe we are when we know that. 1953? I bought my tickets for the old country. They were paid for. Three meetings were set with three churches to confer. August 19, I think it was, I was to preach in the place where I was baptized. The date was set. And how often did I say, I'm going to the old country? I didn't. Watch your life. Watch your life like that. And then you, before long, if you have the spirit of the living God in you, you say, Father, it is just like a vapor. That's your life. 
small, insignificant and small, infinitesimally small and insignificant are you. There is only one great as God. You're nothing. Why, why then are you proud? Because we're all proud. We don't live like that. That's why it has to be brought to you. I have to bring it to you. That's my mandate. You live like that and you're going to be a happy man, a happy woman. You'll be a happy boy and girl, I assure you, if you live like that. That is only worthwhile living. How marvelously saved you are then. We're absolutely powerful, powerless with respect to all things. God will have to make my path straight if I'm to walk one step. What do you think he's doing now, right now? He is busily at work in my brain, in my tongue, in my body. I feel his warmth. He's right around right below me, above me. And so he is with every creature. Who sees him? Do you see him? Do you experience him? We are in the hollow of his hands. We move and have our being in him. He decides for every second. And he, he has not already decided about all of you, the last second, that he will say, that's it. Come up higher. Sends his angels and brings you to heaven. But as far as I'm concerned, apart from that, I'm absolutely insecure. Unsure and insecure. But that's, that's man. That's you. Are you ready to admit it? Really to admit that, then you are happy. Now, let's listen to the boasting of one man like that. His evil boasting. There is a, there is a special construction there as to the tense. The tense of the verb. That means, if you want to literally translate it, we shall do something. There's determination in that voice. And the Holy Ghost purposely used those words as they are in the Greek. Now, James refers to a merchant, but remember, that's only an example. Don't say now, well, it has nothing to do with me, I'm no merchant. He means all callings and all professions. He, he means the large and the small. The little and insignificant according to human rules and the powerful and mighty, no matter how powerful and mighty and worldly wise you may be, it makes no difference. They're all inclusive. This is one example for the rest. And this man decides something for his life and for his future. And he presents us there as dependent he presents it here, that merchant, and his plans dependent 
on his will alone. God's will is not in it. Purpose, purposely. Later, I was sorry I didn't take the last verse with it. You'll find that in the last verse. He that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is evil. This fellow knew. He's talking to the church, to the brethren. Read verse 11. He's talking to the brethren. And don't you know that you and I, we talk that way too, before we know it. It's just, you don't have to really exert yourself to talk that way. That's very natural. And it is very, very wicked. And God is insulted. He'll do something in the distant future. He will be a year in such and such a city. He has a year of his life in his hand. And not only that, a thousand other things. The whole sentence is very instructive. Today or tomorrow. Just as free as a bird in the air. If not today, then tomorrow. If not tomorrow, then today. I am the one to decide that. Into such a city. He has the ways and the means in his hand. All of them. His catalog of his goods are ready to. And has all the exalted plans for buying and selling and getting gain. All the circumstances. That's the way he rules his life. Travel, buying, selling, getting gain. He rules all things. In this sentence, he includes his wisdom, his ability, his opportunity and capacity. It's all in there. He has taken the stand. And that's the way uh, millions and millions do with regard to their whole life. And the pity of it is that this is a church member. That's the pity of it. That the world has it. That is natural. They do that all their lives and all of that. And wherever they live, and whatever age, ever since the poison of the devil came into their heart and in their mind, you shall be as God. It's the old sin of paradise. You're a God unto yourself. You decide. It would be better if you rip out your tongue than to talk that way. As a Christian, that's a double insult to the Almighty. And now notice, notice his folly and his worldliness. This busy, this, this merchant is busy with the world and worldly things. Period. His action in that world, plan, travel, spending a year in such a city, merchandising and getting gain, it is exclusively the world. 
for a whole year. He is separated from the eternal things. That's the pity of it. You know, he looks far into the future, but not far enough. But just like a man said to me in this church, I don't anymore know who it is, last week, about that space feet of John Glenn. In all its simplicity, that man says to me, I, I would rather go to heaven. This man didn't look far enough. He looked a year he looked a year ahead, but not far enough. He didn't he didn't see God. God wasn't in it. And to turn the telescope around, he didn't look well enough in his own heart and mind. He didn't look. He didn't recognize himself as a vapor. He had a misconception about himself, a misconception of the things of the world, and a misconception of the living God. He was entirely, mi- he was entirely missing the mark. You know, do you realize some of you have a farm? Many of you, I think, have a home. You have all a little bit of money. And you have some clothing. But do you realize that those things don't mean a thing in themselves? Nothing. Apart from God and eternity, those things don't mean a thing. If you take God and eternity in your mind, then they mean something. Then they are the cruise and the staff of the pilgrim. They are a means to an end, but in themselves they don't mean a thing. How many, how many, how many found that out? How many there are now that are lying flat on their back looking at the other side, the inside of the cover of the coffin, staring day and night at that coffin, the cover, the cover of the coffin, row upon row. How many trillions are lying, unrecognizable in the dust, still, that had fortunes and homes and acres and gold and silver. They don't mean a thing. When are we going to, when are we going to figure with it? And live with that knowledge. The wisdom of this man is purely earthy, sensual, the five senses, and devilish. All he saw was today, tomorrow, travel, a city, his catalog of goods, buying and selling, and getting gain. That's the fool. 
Listen to Jesus. Suppose this man does all that he wills to do. Suppose he does. Many of them do. You must remember too, they don't all die like that rich man who gathered all his goods, built new barns. This night thy soul shall be required of thee and the things that thou hast gathered, who shall they be? They don't all die. Suppose this man does all that he wills to do. What then? Listen to Jesus. What shall it profit the man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? Isn't he a fool? Isn't it foolish for you to follow him? Isn't it better to convert yourself and me too, to convert myself and do according to my text? Let's listen to the wisdom of grace, shall we? Because the Lord doesn't leave us in this terrible fix. He gives us the other side. The wisdom of grace. For that ye ought to say. If the Lord will. We shall live. And do this or that. That's the wisdom of grace. If the Lord will. Now. First of all. You must not only say it. Oh, saying it is good. It's very good. But you know, we get so easily used to the language of the world, and we also get very used to the language of the church. We get used to it. We easily talk the language of the church. So much we can fool ourselves and we can fool others. But you can't fool God. It is so easy to say, if the Lord will, we will live and do this or that. And I say again that confession is good, very good, because the world doesn't know a thing about that. It's a marvelous thing. If you say that, not only in the church and in our societies downstairs and in catechism and on house visitation, but that you say that when you're right among the devils and among the world, say it there by all means. Say it once in a while, purposely. It's beautiful. If the Lord will, the world don't know a thing about that. And the more they know of it, they don't want it. That the world will never make that confession if the Lord will. If there is anything they hate, it is the will of God. The Bible says that. The mind of the flesh is not subject to the will of God, neither indeed can be. That's what the Bible says about my text, as far as the wicked is concerned. It's beautiful if you say it. Say it sometimes. Say it among your enemies in the world. 
God is glorified thereby. He wants you to say it. But the power of the confession, if the Lord will, does not lie in the speech. But then, we must live it. The speech must be the appearance of the life here, here, in your heart, and here, in your mind. That must be a revelation of what is a reality within you. That is much more difficult than to say it. The saying must be a living confession. If the Lord will. You must feel it and you must live it. That is the wisdom of eternal life. That shows that you are a wise man. That shows that you are a wise woman. It shows you are a wise girl and a wise boy. Start out early. Because it is the truth. It's a beautiful truth. And the more, the more that you have it here in your heart, the happier you are, the safer you are, and the richer you are. That is true riches. If you live according to the truth, because the truth makes you free. That's peculiar, but the truth makes you free. Also this truth here. Now remember, no one of you and of myself we never say that and we never live that and feel that except by that beautiful grace of God. Except that hand of the Almighty comes within your heart and begins to play on that instrument within you. And then the music of this confession, the music of this confession comes forth. It is the fruit of the grace of Jehovah from beginning to end. And you have a beautiful example. Christ Jesus. That's the way he lived. There are two words in his life. And they are all important. Ought. Ought not. And must. He had a look into the counsel of God. And to the very last, knowing, we read, when he was hanging on the cross, knowing that all things were now fulfilled and accomplished, and that the scripture might be fulfilled, he said, I thirst. What an example. Even a thing like that, I thirst was bound to Jehovah. What a life. That's the example for you. When he walked with those two happy men to Emmaus, then he said, O ye fool and slow of heart to believe. The prophet has spoken. Oh, not the Christ to have suffered these things 
and so to enter into his glory. His whole life was locked up with Jehovah. And he always wanted to walk in that counsel of Jehovah. And therefore, in my heart, there must be no decision outside of my God. That's deism. That's deism. When you cut out God and your decisions and your plans and your scheming, remember that when you scheme and plot and plan, there must be no decision. You see what a marvelous safeguard, the more you subject your heart's decisions and motives and in intentions, the more, the more you submit it to the living God. Draw the living God from heaven in your heart. When you decide things, it's a safeguard against sin. Don't you see? Here is the meekness of wisdom. Will you listen? It is all in the scriptures. He shall guide me with his counsel. You know, there was a time, I never forget it. I cannot forget it. I smiled. And it was a mocking smile at an old woman who came from the old country. And I was sitting, waiting in the doctor's office in Kalamazoo because I had to, had to be, I had to pay my bill of an operation. And that woman was telling with a childlike face how she came from the old country, but she says, I didn't dare to do it without the Lord. So I asked him, may I go, Lord? And I smiled. And most of us smiled at the simplicity of that old woman. She had more wisdom than I did. And I sinned. I said, Lord, may I go to America? I didn't ask him. I came here without asking him. But how, don't, how often don't we do that? Or how often, let me put it this way, how often do you like that poor old woman? How often do you do it? Do you so, do you so live? You remember this morning's sermon about the law? To leave God, God, and to worship him alone? Here is a practical example. You know what, what James is advising the church? Comes down to, to this. To walk with God. Aren't you jealous? Boys and girls, listen to me now. Boys and girls, when you read about, you know they are more impressive than you are. When you read in the Bible that Noah walked with God, don't you feel jealous? What I'm preaching tonight, what the Dominion is preaching about tonight is walking with God. So we ought to live here in our homes, in our farms, in our business. That's the way you ought to live. When you submit yourself in the morning, and then you say, Lord, this pleasant awakening, 
pleasant awakening. I'm still with thee. There's a whole day before me. Travel alongside of me. Walk with me that I may walk with thee. And if then tears come and blood and enemies and devils, as long as he is with me, then it is all right. Amen. Father, beloved Father, travel with this church. Give this church and its minister and the elders and the deacons that simplicity of that old woman and all our lives. Lead us by thy counsel, and then we can say too, and afterwards, take me up in glory. Amen.